We're excited to have a very special guest for today's episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. WWE Hall of Famer and legend, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. You can catch Ted live this Wednesday, April 7th from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern on his Facebook page. Ted will be doing a WrestleMania-themed question and answer session. It's free and open to fans who follow his page. And since WrestleMania 4 was Ted's first WrestleMania, he's choosing four questions from four different followers who will each win a free autograph from the Million Dollar Man. The Q&A session is open to his fans from around the world. Follow Ted on Facebook at facebook.com slash MDM Ted DiBiase. Ted will also be appearing at WrestleCon in Tampa Bay, Florida on April 9th and 10th in person. And he will be doing a virtual appearance on April 11th. For more information, follow Ted on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram with the verified username of at MDM Ted DiBiase. Gentlemen, we are on the road to WrestleMania, and this is 80s Wrestling, the podcast, and we're the only show where wearing shoulder pads with spikes constitutes a casual Friday in the office. My name is Jumping Jay, and as always, I'm joined by the titan of 80s Wrestling trivia. He went five for five last week. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, Mr. Tommy Fierro. Hey, Jay, what's going on, man? How are you? Tommy, I am doing absolutely fantastic. I am beyond excited for today's episode. Without further ado, man, uh, this is a big one today. We are on the road to WrestleMania. WrestleMania will be a two-day event next weekend, Saturday and Sunday, April 10th and the 11th. And what better guest to have on this show tonight, Jay, than someone that is not only one of the biggest wrestling icons ever, but one of the biggest WrestleMania icons ever. And we are joined by WWE Hall of Famer, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Ted, welcome to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. Hey, great to be with you guys this morning. You bet. Great to have you. And, and, And as we said off the air, Ted, everyone is excited and ready for WrestleMania. Uh, it's in the air. As it gets this close to WrestleMania, everyone gets excited, both the fans, the wrestlers, everyone involved in the wrestling business. And what we would like to do today with you, Ted, is, I mean, your 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 career is just so, so unbelievable that we wouldn't be able to cover everything on an episode. So I thought it'd be fun to talk about some of your WrestleMania memories and moments uh, since WrestleMania is next weekend. And, uh Man, not, Jay, not that many people out there can can say that they, you know, closed the show at WrestleMania. And uh, Ted was one of them in his first WrestleMania, uh, WrestleMania 4. Jay, what are some of your uh, memories of that? My biggest thing when it comes to WrestleMania 4 and Mr. DiBiase is not only did he close the show, but he wrestled multiple times on that card. He wrestled three different matches in this tournament. So not only is it his first WrestleMania, but his face is seen on that show so many times. What a rush that must have been. I can't wait to hear from the man himself what that experience was like. (laughs) Real quick, I wanted to ask you before you talk about your WrestleMania 4 memories, is obviously you were in the business for a long time leading up to your return to WWF. You were there earlier in your career. What was it like going into WrestleMania 4? Now, you, you came back to the WWF shortly after WrestleMania 3, and it's a global phenomenon now. What, what was it like for you to compete in your first WrestleMania? Um, well, I mean, obviously, it, it was a thrill, and, you know, there was, there was um, you know, uh, with wrestling, you know, we, we wrestled so much. I mean, you know, guys like... Um, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, we were on the road, uh, like 21 days in, in 21 cities. And so it's, it's not like a, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, basketball has, 
you know, more than one game a week in baseball. Like, but wrestling, it's like every day. But WrestleMania, uh, you know, it's kind of like there's a little more stress, especially like you said, Tommy. Uh, I I've only been in a company a few months now, and and I'm 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 gonna basically headline this this WrestleMania, and it's, it's my first one. Uh, so I felt a little bit of, uh, of stress, if you will. Uh, but I guess, you know, the buildup, the buildup to WrestleMania, let's go back to the Saturday night main event, which was the setup for WrestleMania four, uh, Saturday night main event, uh, took place. And it was the first time that professional wrestling was back on national network television since the 1950s. Uh, you know, and, and what, a, what an accomplishment for Vince McMahon and, and the company. And uh, the headline headliner that night was Hulk versus Andre the Giant. And it's the first time since WrestleMania three, which, by the way, set an indoor attendance record of 93,000 people. It's the first time that they had actually got in the ring and faced each other. And, and so it was a, a big deal. But the storyline was that, you know, me being a main dollar man, I had bragged that I could buy anything, including the world title. Andre was going to whip Hogan, and and, and I'm going to be, you know, by purchasing the, the title, the new champion. Of course, we all know that that's part of the show. That's part of show business. And uh, but that's what happened that night. You know, uh, I didn't. I didn't even know that there was two Hebner brothers. I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that uh, there were two guys that looked just alike. Anyway, it was, it was pretty cool. The uh, the twin the twin referee slides in and counts Hogan down, and uh, you know Andre puts the belt around my my waist and I wear it for a couple of weeks and then they go, okay, uh, you are not really the champion, so you know you know quit wearing the belt. Um, we can't give it back to Andre who technically won the match because he's been bought off and paid off. And so we can't give it back to Hogan because he, he lost the title. And so what do we do? And that was, that's where, where they came up with the idea. Okay, let's, let's have a tournament to, to crown a new champion, which was WrestleMania four. And, um, and you're right. I wrestled three times that night. You know, I wrestled, uh, like a, a Jim Duggan and uh, what was the other guy? Uh, the, uh, Don Morocco. So I wrestled those two guys and then ended up in the in the last match uh, with Randy Savage. And that was actually the other thing about that was I think Randy and I had only maybe had one other match. With the, you know, in terms of you know being familiar with your opponent, uh, we had only had maybe one other match and. Uh, I don't know. It's it's one of my favorite WrestleManias. Uh, even though it was, but the, the stress of having three matches in one in one event and that event being a WrestleMania, yeah, it's it's definitely a day I'll never forget. Uh, but that that WrestleMania four basically just was the springboard going forward, you know, for the Million Dollar Man character as a as a whole because for about the next year. Uh, I was traveling all over the country uh, and all these different places, uh, and I was having matches, you know, tag team matches, a lot of tag team matches with Andre, uh, with various opponents. You know, me and Andre uh, against, you know, Hogan and, and Savage, you know, Hogan and somebody. And uh, so it was, it was, it was, it was really exciting for me. And again, then you know, then the next WrestleMania was in the same building i you know i you know it was kind of like my you know like wrestlemania threes you know in this great big building ninety three thousand people see it and then the next year it's in this much smaller arena where they where they uh i think donald trump owns that building and i think it's where they they i don't know they still do the miss america pageant there i mean uh but they used to do that in that building in atlantic city but it, it wasn't nearly as big that was the only uh uh, you know, I, I was thinking, wow, you know, this is going to be this huge crowd. And then I was kind of, uh, you know, like, wow, you know, uh, we went from the 93,000 people arena to 
to this, which wasn't nearly as big, but but the uh, pay-per-view audience was huge. WrestleMania four is the tournament mania, which was different structure-wise than the previous three. Can you just give us a little bit of insight? When you have one WrestleMania match to prepare for, that's enough stress for a performer to be thinking about one match. Can you talk to us about the mental preparation that you had to do going into that night, knowing that you had three different matches with three different opponents who had three very different styles, and yet all of your matches were fantastic? How do you prepare for something like that? Well, you know, it, it's it's old school, Tommy. I mean, it's kind of like I I don't know how I don't know how the 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 guys today prepare for matches because back in that time, you know, this is this is the you know, uh, and I hear this from fans all the time. The guys like me who came from the 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 late '80s and early '90s, um, we we learned our trade, uh, by doing it. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, uh, you went to a, you know, like, and there weren't a lot of wrestling schools back then. There was, it was somebody in the business, uh, that would, would bring you in, you know, uh, it was, it was, it was very, it was very closed. It wasn't like, well, anybody can go become a pro wrestler. Uh, and, um, there was a lot of respect you had for the for the older guys, um, but but back then, to be honest, Tommy, the only thing that I ever knew going into the ring uh, was the finish. Now, exactly how it's going to end. Now, if I had history with a wrestler, if I had, you know, if I had been in a program and we had wrestled a couple times. It might be like, okay, since this is what the people saw last, maybe it would be good for us to start this way tonight. So I might I might have a beginning for that match. Uh and then I knew the end. But everything else in the middle of that of that match was all done organically. It was call it on the fly. And uh, and basically in preparation for that, uh, the only the only only the, uh, and I I was very familiar with Jim Duggan because Jim and I had was, had worked together in Mid South many 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 times, so Jim was no problem. Um, but I you know but Don Morocco was it was, was a different guy with a different style you know you know kind of the big big man style, and basically I just you know knowing I was gonna he was gonna be one of the guys I watched I just watched him I I just made it a point at different shows to to watch him and familiarize myself with his style so that when we, when we got in the ring that, uh, you know, we could, we could do the dance, so to speak. And, uh, you know, everything, everything. Yeah. I was, I was, <laughs> I was excited about WrestleMania four, but I'm going to tell you something. I was really glad when it was over. <laughs> I could, I could go <laughs> and say, Oh man, the stress was off, but now uh, Ted- before before we get into WrestleMania five, I want to ask you real quickly. Now, when you first heard about the formation of WrestleMania back in 1985, obviously there was rumblings all around the wrestling world, and this was a huge gamble by Vince McMahon. What was your initial reaction when you when you first heard about them doing the first WrestleMania in 1985? Well, you know. I was raised in the wrestling business and I was raised old school. And, um, you know, when I first started watching, uh, the show, um, and saw some of the stuff they were doing, I, I was, I was like, you know, they're killing the business, <laughs> you know, almost like, but reality is that Vince McMahon took, took professional wrestling, which it, you know, up until that time, it was very regional, and it was pretty much, uh, I would call it blue-collar crowd entertainment. You weren't going to see a lot of people in khaki pants and polo shirts at the wrestling matches. You know, it was a rough crowd. Uh, but he made it family entertainment, and he and he pointed it towards the kids. You know, and, you, know, Hulk, you know, Hulk Hogan, here's your big, you know, Andre the Giant. You know, here's your bigger-than-life characters. Uh, who you can love and who you can hate. And uh, it was really a stroke of genius. But, you know, I was, 
I was of the mind that, you know, gosh, you know, this is going to destroy wrestling. And it was just the opposite. Uh, and, you know, I, I was in Japan when WrestleMania three took place and I can still remember getting a newspaper, you know, in Japan and and saying, you know, uh, WrestleMania, you know, sets indoor world attendance record. And Tommy, I'm going to tell you what, right then and there, I, I, I said, I've got to be there if I'm going to be a part of wrestling anymore, because I could, that, that was the, that was the, the switch for me. It was like, if I'm going to stay in the business, uh, and if, if I'm going to be, be meaningful in this business, then I'm going to have to work for that company because it was obvious to me if, if, if Vince McMahon could do that, that, uh, all the territories would be in trouble and, uh, they wouldn't last very long. And I, I'll be honest with you. If Vince hadn't done what he did and he, if he hadn't made wrestling what it is today, you know, pro- professional wrestling, it, it might still be around somewhat, but with everything else that's out there buying for the entertainment dollar. And now you've got, you know, you know, a hundred different uh, stations on television that you can watch. There's so much competing for the entertainment dollar that, you know, I think, you know, pro wrestling might've died. Uh, it certainly isn't dead, you know, and, uh, uh, and I'm just being real honest with you guys and, and all the fans listening. I am not real familiar with a lot of the new talent because I'm busy doing other things, but I always, I always get excited about WrestleMania cause it takes me back. And, uh, I know that there's, a uh, uh, there's a, there's a little something in the future cause, uh, this guy, uh, uh, with NXT, uh, uh, he's the new money guy. You know, I might, I might have to uh, show up somewhere and, and teach him a lesson. <laughs> uh, Cameron Grimes, <laughs> you know, he might get well, a visit. I'll from tell you what, Ted, wrestling is definitely not dead, and and you're a huge reason because of that for the foundation that you and so many others laid in the in the 1980s. Now, I want, I want to move to WrestleMania 5 real quickly. I want to make mention that you talked about how the WrestleMania 4 and 5 building was much smaller than WrestleMania 3, and, and obviously it was. But WWF did such a fantastic job of their camera angles. They made that ramp. When you guys walked down to the ring for 4 and 5. Make, they made it look so larger than life, that arena, even though it was really small, because I've been in there before, and it is a very small yeah. arena, but... WWF did an amazing job, their camera angles, to make that arena look a lot bigger than it actually was. Now, WrestleMania five, you're up against Brutus the Barber Beefcake. I want, I want to make mention real quickly, a lot of people don't give Brutus Beefcake the credit that he deserves. And me and Jay talk about it here on the podcast every now and again, of how big of a star he was during that whole period. Now, here you are, WrestleMania five. At this point, you're unquestionably the, the top you know, heel or, or one of the top two or three heels in the company, and and you got to have someone against that top heel and and that the fans care about. And obviously, Brutus fit that role perfectly. Well, obviously, he's not as technically sound as a wrestler or you or, or some of the others, but he was over as rover like anybody else was during that time frame. What are some of your memories of of, of working with Brutus and and how popular he was during that time frame? Uh, well, you know, I agree with everything that you just said. And, um, and again, Brutus is one of those guys who wasn't like, you know, uh, somebody that I'm going to get in the ring with and, uh, be doing a, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of technical wrestling, a lot of, you know, on the mat and, you know, reverse this and reverse that, and, you know, he was, you know, uh, I would call him. He was born the line of a, 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 a kick and punch guy. <laughs> but you know, uh, to his credit, you know, the whole thing about this is, and, and when I talk to young wrestlers, uh, you know, like there there have been guys. Matter of fact, um, Kelly Kaniski, who was Gene Kaniski's son, uh, who also went to West Texas State, like a number of other guys, guys who came out of West Texas State, including myself, became wrestlers, largely due to the influence of the Funk family. But uh, Kelly, I can watch Kelly, and Kelly would do 
he would be he, everything that he did was technically it was it was sound technically it was okay but the thing that Kelly didn't have that you have to have is charisma you can't teach charisma you either have it or you don't and unfortunately Kelly didn't really have it you know and and, and his his wrestling career didn't really go anywhere but again the thing that made Brutus bigger than life was his charisma and uh you know you know just uh as a matter of fact um uh, i'm gonna be i'm gonna be uh signing autographs uh this weekend uh in in long island i can't remember exactly where but uh you can probably go on the website and and, and find it but uh brutus is gonna be there and and so is uh, uh greg valentine uh but yeah you know brutus and i did the dance uh and uh you know, it was it was fun, and again, it was one of those things. It wasn't, uh, and of course, a lot a lot less a lot a lot less pressure on me than the year before, because I, I've got one match. That's all I have to worry about. You know, like I'm I'm not in the, the main event, and and uh, of course, uh, there's always. I guess I don't care who you are, and I don't care how many times a guy gets in the ring, but when it is WrestleMania. Now, you know, this is your your marquee event for the company. You always want to make it special, and you and you always want to do your best. And uh, and you know, and I you know, again, uh, did we plan anything? Not really. We 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 got what we were supposed to do and how it was supposed to end. And and uh, you know, and we talked over maybe a couple of things. But again. If you're a student of the business, and that's what I did, I I, I would watch. I I watched, especially the the you know the couple of weeks going into or just before WrestleMania, I, I made it a point to watch Brutus's matches to give me an idea of how our two styles uh, could could uh, work together, and I think we pulled it off pretty good. Say, Ted, everybody knows that. Now, WrestleMania is an entire week of promotions, media coverage. The the performer schedules are just jam-packed with different things. Can you talk a little bit, what did a WrestleMania week or the build-up look for you guys back during this time period? Were you in different towns the night before hustling to get to Mania, or was it the same kind of week-long promotions and media coverage that we see today? Uh, it, it, it wasn't that back then, you know, um, you know, and I, you know, it's, it's, I, I can't remember, uh, exactly what it was, but I do. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I remember, I remember this, that, uh, prior to WrestleMania four, for example, I had been home and, and my wife had given birth to my youngest son, Brett. Brett Brett was born in March of of 1988, and uh, and uh, so I basically, basically I was home and I was with my wife. Uh, my son was born. And I got on a plane and I flew to to New York to go to Atlantic City for WrestleMania. Um, but no, there wasn't. It it it, it grew into that. It it, it it evolved into what it is today. This 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 week week long event. Kind of like you know uh, other like like the Super Bowl you know to, to for football um, you know like a lot of other sports are doing the same thing where it's not just that day and that event it's 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 the whole build up to it it's the anticipation for the event and just to give the fans who are listening an idea the schedule now for superstars who are actively on the roster isn't the only schedule that's jam packed. This week, legends like Mr. Ted DiBiase, you have a full schedule yourself, sir. I have your schedule or part of it pulled up in front of me, and I just want to let people know that you have a full road to WrestleMania yourself. In fact, this Wednesday, April 7th, from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, the Million Dollar Man, you will be doing a WrestleMania-themed Q&A on your Facebook page, and the best part of all is this question and answer session is free and open to any fan who actively follows your Facebook page. And since WrestleMania 4, what we were just talking about was your first Mania appearance 
you are doing something very cool for fans of pro wrestling. You are choosing four questions from four different followers, each of who will win a autograph from you just for being chosen in this Q&A. The Q&A session is open to everybody. Follow If you don't follow the Million Dollar Man on social media, you need to for daily content, but for especially for cool giveaways like this. Your Facebook page is facebook.com slash MDM for the Million Dollar Man, of course, MDM Ted DiBiase. That's your Facebook handle. Same handle used on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Ted, that is a very cool thing you are doing for fans of professional wrestling. A live Q&A with the Million Dollar Man. Well, you know, again, it's uh, if it weren't for fans, you know, uh, I wouldn't be anybody. That's why I said if it weren't if it weren't for the people who come and support us, you know, uh, you know, I wouldn't have had a job. So it's it's always nice to be able to, uh, you know, the million dollar man is not totally Scrooge. <laughs> so it's like you know, like uh, uh, it might shock some people if the million dollar man would actually give give something away. <laughs> So, uh, but this is, this is going to be fun and, and I, I can't wait to do it. And then not only are you doing that, but then you're taking off to Tampa Bay and you'll be in Florida April 9th and 10th doing an in-person signing. And then you have a virtual signing on April 11th. So your WrestleMania week schedule is filling up as well. Yes. Yes. It's, uh, it's filling up big and, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I don't know, you know, the, the, the interesting thing this year is like, um, and, and, and I'm not there, and, and I'm not, I haven't talked to anybody. And I'm not just real sure how they, you know, they're pulling this thing off. But to, you know, to actually hold the event over two days, that's 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 something that's never been done before. You know, and so they're they're doing, uh, you know, in the in the Buck Stadium there, they're doing the event Saturday, and they're doing. They're doing it on Sunday as well. I don't know, and you may know what the roster looks like, what those what those matches are on, on each each day. But that's you know that's another way. You know, it's kind of like okay, because of the pandemic and everything, we can't have as many people there. But I think it's pretty cool that a company would go ahead and say, okay, you know, so so we can make it available to to more fans. We won't just do one day. We'll do two days. I think that's pretty cool. Absolutely, Ted. It definitely is. Um, next up, what I want to talk about is probably one of your one of my favorite matches that you were in, WrestleMania six and the build up and lead to someone else that is iconic in this industry, like yourself, and that's Jake the Snake Roberts. On on paper you look at that, you see they're two of the biggest uh, names in the history of 80s wrestling, Jake the Snake Roberts and the Million Dollar Man. And the promos back and forth leading up to this match were absolutely fantastic. What what was your memories of working with Jake at WrestleMania 6 and the whole build-up to get you there? Well, you know, I, I, I've told that, or I tell a lot of people, I said, you know, uh, when, I, when I think about uh, WrestleMania and I think about, you know, my favorite matches, Jake's, you know, at the top of the list. I mean, uh, you know, we weren't the main event, but I mean, we were, you know, we were definitely a significant match that night. But it's just, I mean, even before, I mean, Jake and I, I mean, I, I met Jake when I first started wrestling in Mid South. Uh, his father, whose wrestling name was Grizzly Smith, uh, was like the the road agent for Cowboy Bill Watts, who was the owner of Mid-South Wrestling. And uh, I actually met Jake uh, when he, right when he, when he first started, you know, he, you know, they started him out refereeing. I mean, and, uh, and so I remember one night uh, we were doing something, you know, and he was doing the referee and I told him, I said, hit me. So what he said, I said, hit me. <laughs> and he hauled off and hit me. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, Jake and I, and I, you know, our, our relationship goes back a long way and, uh, God bless him. You know, I, I was there with him, uh, through a lot of the rough years of his life. A lot of the things that, that, 
you know, bring guys down, and, and uh, he survived it. He survived it. He came out, you know, on top, and he's thriving again, and that just uh, – you know that's a credit to him, but as 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 a wrestler, I mean, there's there's no there's not too many guys that I would I would rank higher than him in terms in terms of his his understanding of the psychology of what we do it and absolutely phenomenal on the mic. Oh my gosh, you know it's like you know I give kudos to Jake. I think Jake Jake does better interviews than I do, and uh, and uh, the. The doing the dance for us uh, was it's, it, it was easy. You know, somebody goes, you know, somebody asks, "What's your toughest match?" <laughs> well, a tough match would be to uh, get in the ring and work with somebody that that that's hard, that that doesn't that that's not as uh, uh, I don't know the word to use uh, doesn't understand as well, doesn't have the uh, uh, the savvy. As as much, but to to do the dance with Jake was like a night off. I mean, and uh, I, I just that's one of my favorite matches uh, of, of WrestleMania. And uh, trying to think, there was uh, there was somebody sitting at ringside. Um, there was a the, like a movie star. I can't remember who it was, but that that was uh, matter of fact for me. WrestleMania six was the first WrestleMania that we, we did in a, a huge arena. We did that up in, uh, in, in Toronto at the sky dome, I believe. And, uh, I can't remember what the, what the crowd was, I think 67,000 or something like that. But, uh, that, that was my first exposure to, I, at that time, since, you know, since then, uh, there've been, there've been other matches that I had, but, uh, that was the first crowd of that size that I had ever wrestled in front of. And then, uh, and then, uh, the, we went to, we went to SummerSlam of, of, uh, was that, was that 90? You guys know better than I do. The SummerSlam over in London at Wembley stadium. That was, I think 80,000. And I think that's the largest crowd, uh, to my knowledge that I've ever wrestled with. You know, I don't know. I don't know if WWE has ever beat ninety three thousand. You guys, you guys have this, the the numbers better than I do. So, but you know, Jake was just uh, just phenomenal. It was like a night off uh, working with that guy. I, I love hearing you say that because if you look at WrestleMania six, your match with Jake the Snake is actually the second longest match on the card. The only match that went longer was the main event before, between the Warrior and Hogan. They were out for about 24 minutes. You and Jake were out for about 12, the second longest match on the card. When you're out there in front of that many people, like you said, 67, almost 68,000 people, what does 12 minutes feel like? Does that time pass quickly for you in the ring? Are you trying to get a lot of stuff in, or are you able to slow down and enjoy that 12 minutes? Well, you know, when you only have 12 minutes and, you know, and, and I'll be honest for, for guys like Jake and I, who are used to telling the story, you know, it's, it's like, oh gosh, give me at least 20 minutes, you know, to tell a good story. So yeah, there was a little, I think both of us felt like, you know, well, you know, you know, we can't do as much because we don't have as much time. But let's make the best of the twelve minutes we have, and and you know and you know and make it make it as as, as exciting as we could, and and I think we did I think we did that. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely, so yeah, it's, absolutely. Uh, it's you know it's just a yeah you know it's for a guy like Jake and I especially um, uh, it's it's it's. It's kind of like uh, you know one of my one of my beefs with uh, you know, of course I you know like with wrestling today it's like you know uh, I always feel like you know give them more match time in other words you know instead of instead of all the the, the talk that goes on backstage and in a dressing room or confrontation you know in the in the soap opera of wrestling let's Let's tell the story in the ring. 
let's let's give let's give the guys a little more time in the ring and let them tell the story there because you know traditionally the story was the match and the match was done in such a way I can remember when I was in college at West Texas State and uh, when Jack Briscoe came as as the NWA World Champion to wrestle Dory Funk Jr. and then on another occasion wrestle Terry Funk. Oh my gosh. Now I grew up in the business. I was totally smart to the business and I'm jumping up out of my chair sitting in the back like a fan. You know, and and, and uh because they drew me into the story they were telling and uh, it was just phenomenal. And you know that that's I guess that's what I miss and I I feel like there should be more of and I wish there could be more of. I don't know if that makes sense to you guys, but <laughs> that's, no, that's, absolutely uh, it does, Ted. And and talk about yes. storytelling. The following year's WrestleMania did that, and you know there's there's a lot of people online that you know post stuff, you know, telling jokes about Virgil sitting in you know at at the convention selling his stuff. But let, let's 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 look at it this way. WrestleMania Seven did a fantastic, fantastic job of telling the story between Ted DiBiase and Virgil. And this is definitely, 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 without question, uh, because you were so over as a character, Ted, and, and such a great heel that, you know, you got the fans so behind Virgil. At one point, there's no question that Virgil is one of the top five baby faces in the company, and that has to do with the program he had with you. And that story there, the people were so invested. I remember me as a kid, I was invested. I wanted to see Virgil get revenge against the million-dollar man for how horrible you had treated him all those years. Talk about that program, because I know that you have to be proud of that program and that match because you obviously elevated him to a different level. And, you, you know, people might joke around about Virgil nowadays, but – Let's talk about that match and that angle because I know that's something that you have to be proud of. Uh, yeah, and that's uh, that was uh, and and uh, Virgil as 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 a uh, as a guy is a nice guy. I mean, he's uh, here's a guy who you know he didn't drink and he didn't smoke. You know, he didn't he didn't party a lot. You know, he stayed in in, in incredible shape. You know, but. Um, Virgil was one of those guys that, you know, uh, and again, it's kind of like he really hadn't had a lot of experience as a wrestler before he was, before he became Virgil, before he was picked. And he was picked to be that guy, that character, uh, my, my bodyguard, chauffeur, what have you. Uh, I mean, largely due to his incredible body and just the look he had, and uh, and, and he did it well. Uh, but he hadn't had he had not had a lot of, of wrestling experience, so it was then it became it became up to me to lead him through this as best I could and, and get it and make it the best that I that I could do. And uh, of course. The, you know, from the very beginning, from the first day uh, that there was a million dollar man in, in Virgil, the idea was there that, that eventually one day Virgil is going to get tired of taking all of your crap and, and uh, you know, and turn on you. And, and, and we knew we were going to do that. I mean, from, from day one, we knew eventually uh, this thing is going to play out and, we'll, and we will do this. And uh, I had to, I had to, I had to pretty well lead Virgil to all of it. But again, it's a matter of knowing what you have to work with and taking the things that somebody can do well and using those things and staying away from the things that they don't do so well. I mean, I did that with him. I mean, like uh, when, when I, when I talk to young wrestlers, you know, I, I, that's what I tell them. I go, I said, you need to, you know, if you're a student of this business, then when you get in the ring with somebody, you need to know their style. You need to you need to have watched them uh, uh, long enough to know what you can do. It's kind of like uh, I'll give you another example: Junkyard Dog. I'm going to tell you what Junkyard Dog 
you talk about somebody good on the mic. And, I mean, JYD had charisma coming out of his ears. He was unbelievable. And, uh, but he wasn't, he wasn't the greatest technical wrestler in the world. And so, but I made a lot of money with JYD in, in Mid-South. I mean, I mean, he was, I mean, you know, like they have a, they have a chant down in New Orleans and, it, uh, you know, it's like, who that, who that, who that say going to beat them saints. So they think that the New Orleans saints started that chant. That chant started with the junkyard dog. And the chant was who that, who that, who that say they're going to beat that dog. That the, 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 the fans used to yell that at me when I when I was standing in the ring waiting for them to introduce JYD. So it's all about it's all about charisma, uh, and it's and if you don't have it, you know you, it's something that can't really be taught. Uh, but you take and you make the best of what you have to work with, and uh, and I thought we pulled that off pretty good. I mean, but the, I mean the anticipation. I mean, because people were so anxious to see him beat me up. <laughs> Uh, it was it was good. I loved it. Another gentleman who had a lot of charisma, who didn't wrestle but was on an outside, one of the greatest managers of all time, was Jimmy Hart. And he was involved in your next two Mania matches. WrestleMania 8, you teamed with Erwin R. Scheister, Mike Rotunda against the Natural Disasters with Jimmy Hart in your corner. The following year, you took on the Mega Maniacs, and Jimmy Hart was in their corner. Both of those matches were for the Tag Team Championships. Can you talk a little bit about those two Manias being a tag team rather than a singles match? And just on a side note, how great was Jimmy Hart as a manager? Oh, my gosh. You know, I love Jimmy Hart. I mean, absolutely. I mean, and he he was one of those guys uh, – you know, and, and he had it. You know, he he got he had charisma. That, you know, it was like uh, I don't know if all the you know a lot of the fans know, but a lot of the interest music that you hear for the the guys in, in our era, at least, was written by Jimmy Hart. I mean, Jimmy Hart was part of a, I can't remember the name of his band, but uh, but he was he was a musician long before he was a wrestling manager. Uh, but he was great. He was great because a good manager knows when to be there and knows when to not be there. It was kind of like, I'll give me an example that, you know, I had Sherry Martell for a while as a manager and I would, I would have to keep telling Sherry, I said, Sherry, sometimes less is more, you know, don't, you know, you know, if you don't jump up on the apron, if you don't, you know, if you, it's like, it's kind of like, uh, if you wait and you do it at just at the right time, just at the right moment, then the impact's going to be, it's going to have a lot more uh, than if you just overdo it. And and so that's something that can't be ta- taught either. And, and you, you just, you have to learn that as a manager uh, and understand the game. Uh, but Jimmy was, Jimmy was fantastic. Uh, and when, uh, when Mike and I, you know, when the IRS and I wrestled the, uh, 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 to the uh, the two big guys, what you I can't remember their names now. Um, Earthquake and typhoon, the natural disaster. Yes, the natural disasters. I'm sorry, I had a, a senior moment. <laughs> uh, actually, you know, uh, our match got our, our match got cut short. I mean, we had planned out a match, and and that match wasn't very long. And as my my remembrance of it, it was you know it wasn't one of our, uh, you know I, I wouldn't say because we the time got cut and I can't remember why, but I just remember that when we went out there, you know we were thinking one thing, and like you know uh, it wasn't very long into that match and they said guys it's not, you got to go home we got to go home mm. and so we had to cut it short, uh, but. Uh, enjoyed that i mean those guys you know uh they had their place and they were they were good but that uh, the next year that was the uh you're talking about wrestlemania nine wow um that was uh that was the deal with hogan and the whole deal wasn't that the one in las vegas yes you're right 
Yeah, yeah. And out, outside, that was a, that was another thing. Um, you know, it's different. You know, I always I would rather wrestle. You know, for me, I think I, I like wrestling in, in an arena. Um, that's just my preference. Uh, it's hard to explain, but I think like the atmosphere of of like when when the lights go down and the only the only light in the building is the light that's on over the ring. I think the fans are a lot more uh, willing to express themselves. You know what I'm saying? Does yeah. that make sense to you? It's kind of that like, makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like uh, hooping and hollering and jumping out of their chairs. And sometimes when it's, when there's a bright one, the bright light, I think I think the ambiance of of that just helps 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 wrestling. So, uh, but it's still, it's still we we had a good time. And uh, and uh, I think what we did got over. Absolutely, it did. Both you have not had a bad WrestleMania appearance, Mister DiBiase. All of your stuff was was amazing to watch then as a as a child, and even to go back as an adult. Now your in ring performance, your promos, your ring psychology. You are one of the top heels of all time my friend i want to thank you for coming on the show i know you're a very busy man i also want to thank you just for the contribution you made not just to the world of pro wrestling but you guys made such an impact in the lives of fans who watched the product and in those years the 80s the 90s when we were glued to our television set watching wrestling you were one of the mainstays you were one of the guys who was always there and always entertaining and i always like to say in life if we can find what we were meant to do, it'll bring us joy. But if what we do can bring other people joy, then we're doing it right. And you brought a lot of joy to a lot of people, Mr. Giriasi. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. Th- th- thanks for having me on. And, and thank you very much for that. I mean, and, uh, uh, you know, um, what you're saying is so true. It, it, it's kind of like I always said, if it weren't for fans, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a job. And, uh, the other thing is that, uh, you know, a lot of people get up and go to work every day and, uh, they, they go to work because they have to, they go to work because they'd have to make a living and support families. But I can honestly say that I'm one guy that got up and went to work every day and absolutely loved what I did for, for, for a living. And, uh, and then loving to entertain the, the fans was, it was, a a big kick for me. And people have even asked, you know, like says, what, what did you, what did you like better? Did you like better being a good guy or a bad guy? I said, Oh, I love to be a bad guy because being <laughs> a bad guy was so out of my natural character. Uh, you know, and, and it was just, <laughs> it was, uh, to me, it was more fun. It was more fun to, to play that role. Uh, you know, and, uh, but again, the, the, the whole, the whole deal is, the, the the better bad guy I could be, the bigger payoff when when Hulk Hogan, you know, beats me. <laughs> the bigger payoff. So anyway. Absolutely. Well, All Ted, right, we thank you so much for taking the time again for coming on. And and Ted, just wanna real quick before you before you go off, I just wanna make sure is your is your wrist healed from our, our virtual signing we did a couple months back? Because Remember, you were signing for over four hours straight. I just want to make sure your, your wrist is okay by now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've recovered. Yeah, we're the, you know, just let me know when we want to do it again. <laughs> hey, oh, and as man, I know, really I soon. want everybody. I want everybody to remember one very important thing. Everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> <laughs> Ted, Thanks, thank you fellas. so much. That was awesome. That just made my week. Thank you, sir. (laughs) All right. See ya. Bye-bye. Tommy, one of the greats. The Million Dollar Man. Million Dollar Man. Holy cow. I could listen to him talk all day long. Oh, absolutely, man. That was, I'll tell you what, people are going to really, really, really enjoy that interview. That was, and I was was texting you while, while the interview was going on. That was a fantastic interview. And, I mean, if that doesn't get you excited for WrestleMania coming up next weekend, I don't know what will because he really dug deep and, and shared his WrestleMania memories and moments. 
And I'll tell you what, man, that was just a fantastic, fantastic interview. You know, he, he had great mic skills back in the day, and he hasn't lost a beat. You ask him a question, and he goes on with interesting, in-depth answers. Before we move on, I again want to plug what he's got coming up, because he's got a busy schedule uh, this week. Wednesday, April 7th, that's next week, from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern on his Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash MDM Ted DiBiase. He is doing a WrestleMania-themed Q&A. And he's going to select four questions from four fans to read out loud, to answer those questions. And then he's sending those fans a free autograph. And so if you don't follow Ted DiBiase on Facebook, jump on right after you're done listening to this. Follow him. Give a, give a question. And you might be chosen uh, to have your question not only answered, but you might get a free autograph as well. And then on April 9th, 10th, and 11th, he's appearing at WrestleCon in Tampa Bay, Florida. The 9th and the 10th will be an in-person signing, a meet and greet. And then April 11th will be a virtual signing through WrestlingCon. And then Ted is on Twitter. He's on Facebook. He's on the Instagram. All of it with the username at MDM Ted DiBiase. And so follow him on social media. What a great way to start your day, Tommy, listening to him tell stories. Absolutely, man. You notice he he laughed at the end there when I, I said about uh, if, his, if his wrist is healed from his virtual signing with us. Because it's funny because he really his wrist really was hurting him. And and it was funny because I, I remember at one point he had just went to the he, – because he, he was, it was supposed to be three hours, and he went four hours. You know, at one point he had to just go to the bathroom real quick because he was sitting there for so long. And when he came back in, he was, like, shrugging his wrist back and forth. And <laughs> it's funny because I remember, I remember uh, the cameraman looked at me and goes, oh, that's going to cost you. <laughs> <laughs> because the guy was just signing nonstop. I'll tell you what, he's such a professional – uh, I mean, we had orders. For, I mean, we do for every uh, virtual signing, but we had orders from all over the globe for him. So many that uh, it went four hours of virtual signing, and he was just a fantastic guest then, and he was a fantastic guest now. And it was absolutely great to hear his WrestleMania moments and memories, and his feelings of the different performers he performed with, and the the backstory behind them. That was excellent, excellent interview. I'm always impressed, whether it's your virtual signings or talking to a guy like Ted DiBiase on the show here, their memory is still so sharp. And I know these are big, big moments in people's lives, but they wrestle so many matches against so many opponents. For him to have the recollection to be able to know what venue, what opponent, you know, ah, that match got cut short and we weren't expecting it. I love that they, they have excellent recall. You can tell they're passionate about the business because they like talking about it. And on a personal note, the laugh at the end. Man, if you can't, I love that he does that. He did it at your signing. He did it today. When you have a trademark laugh like that or a trademark promo or saying that you say and you put the cherry on top of an interview by ending it that way, I love it. It's kind of like when I when I end the podcast with my Bushwhacker Luke impersonation, right? You know what? I was half secretly hoping that you were just going to go into your Iron Sheik promo on Ted DiBiase and just see if you could fool him. <laughs> I should I should have said we have a caller with a question and you could have just <laughs> Yeah, I should I should have faked the call in and you could have you could have did that. I don't care about the money, papa. Oh, man. All right, here's the deal, Tommy. You just said that Ted DiBiase had a four-hour signing for your virtual signing, which is an incredibly long signing. But you are coming off of one that was even longer. You just had your virtual mania signing on Sunday. It was all day. I got to tune in for the majority of it. I had such a good time. Tell us, how did virtual mania go from a behind-the-scenes, behind the camera perspective it went seamlessly great I, I i was really surprised i mean when you're doing eight hours of live streaming with multiple different talents scheduled throughout the day you don't know how it's going to go because you don't know how many orders are going to come in while the live show is going on so you, you know you could prepare for the 
for the uh, the day of the, going by the advance orders in, but you don't know what's going to happen the day of. You don't know how many orders are going to come in. So you can space it out where it looks it makes sense on paper, but then you don't know what's going to happen when it goes live. So I had Skinner and Haku from 9 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Uh, I, I cut out all the, the auctions this time at the end because there, just, there wasn't enough time. So you figure if, if, if I have a three-hour signing typically on a Monday night and the last half hour is auction, you figure two and a half hours is enough. So I had to put Haku and Skinner together. And if you, if you didn't watch it, you have to go back and see it. These guys were so funny. Uh, they had such great chemistry with each other. At one point, Haku is laughing so hard he's crying. Uh, I have to get that. I know it's not on our website yet. Well, I'll talk to Jay afterwards and get it up on the site in the next day or two so you can go back and watch it, 80swrestlingcon.com. Uh, Haku is laughing so hard he was crying. And at one point, now Skinner is wearing, he, he doesn't look like Skinner now, obviously. He looks much different. Um, but he's sitting there with a green Skinner shirt on. The Skinner's on his shirt. And someone in the in the chat room, and, and it just got a big laugh from everyone in the room, he says, who is the guy with the green shirt? Now, he's sitting there wearing a green shirt with Skinner right on the shirt. It was just, <laughs> they were, everyone was already laughing by that point. Like, everyone was always already laughing by that point. But, I mean, that was like the, the straw that broke the camel's back. It, it was it was hilarious uh, and very entertaining between those two guys. And then uh, that got over at 11.30, and then we followed up with the Orient Express, Tanaka and Kato, who also was Max Moon, Paul Diamond. They went for two hours, and they hit their time perfectly as well. And we, we just missed the Haku and Skinner timing, by the way. Um, we had to probably have 10 to 15 items signed off camera because we had to switch out sure. them two for the Orient Express. So uh, we missed. I don't want to say mistimed it because, like I said, when you, when you go live, you don't know how many orders are going to come in. But we did pretty right. well. And then uh, Jake the Snake Roberts came on at two o'clock, and man, we had so many orders for Jake Roberts, and I was really nervous about all the orders that he had. Uh, one, because is it going to go? Am I going to be able to get it done between two and five p.m.? Right. Uh, two. Is he going to be upset? Not upset, but I mean, there's so many orders, and 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 someone like that, you know, who's a top echelon guy, you know, when you when you book them for an appearance, it's for X amount of hours. So you know, I let them know prior to him even coming. Hey, listen, if it goes over, I'll take care of you. Um, but he was such a professional. He came there. He said, "I'm here to work." As soon as he got there, and he was signing so quickly. Uh, and he didn't make one mistake at all. Every anything that was uh, the inscriptions, I always put a little sticky note on the pictures themselves, with who it's, what color marker, who it's to, and what the inscription is. And he was signing so quick, but he was hitting everything to a T, perfectly. Like I couldn't, I can't stress enough what a professional he was. And he was that way also when I had him at the live '80s wrestling con uh, a couple of years back. Um, he's just a true, true professional. And he had just as many people as as Ted did, as far as uh, orders go. Uh, the only difference was that Ted talked a lot more than, than Jake did. Jake was just Jake knew he had a lot going into it, uh, so he was just signing. You know, well, he he talked there here and there, but he didn't. You know, he didn't get into the stories like Ted did. That's probably why it went a little bit longer with Ted. But man, he was he was a true professional, uh, just like Ted was. And uh, going into Virtual Mania uh, on Sunday morning, I was saying to myself and to my, my staff, I go, I will not do this again. There's no way I could do this again. Like, I was so overwhelmed by all the orders that were coming in. And, you know, it just, the, just the time frame, like how am I going to get this done between now and 5 p.m.? And it all came off without a hitch, man. I got it. You know, everything went great. Everything ran smooth. And uh, as saying before it started that I would never do it again, now I'm uh, looking at doing Virtual Mania 2 uh, because it did go so well and it was so successful. And uh, people are asking, are you going to do it next year? No, I'm going to do it way before next year. So uh, definitely stay tuned for uh, announcement, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, of uh, the second Virtual Mania uh, because the first one was 
so much fun. Everyone loved it. We're definitely going to do another one. I got to know, Tommy. Will Virtual Mania 2 be broadcast live from three different venues across the country? Yeah, my house, your house. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good idea, though. Well, hey, it worked for the WWF, so I thought maybe give it a try. You know, one of the best things I liked about Virtual Mania is, and this is all in my mind's eye. I'm I'm making this up as I'm watching the show. I'm picturing these wrestlers who maybe have not seen each other in a while, just the joy that they're having, seeing each other, reconnecting. And then I'm picturing them all hanging out after the show somewhere, whether they go out to eat, whether they go up to somebody's hotel room to tell stories. But I picture... Not only did this virtual mania bring these wrestlers to the fans, but it also brought the wrestlers together. And so I hope they had a chance to reconnect and hang out a little bit off camera as well. You should have saw when Haku and Skinner saw each other, they embraced so hard. They were hugging each other so hard. They must not have seen each other in a while. Sure. It, it was it was fantastic to, to see that. And yeah, uh, everyone was so excited. Uh, Tanaka hadn't seen Haku in a really long time, and he was really, really excited to see Haku. And, yeah, it, it's always great when you do conventions or, or, or things where there's multiple guests. They look forward to it, man, just like you are looking, just like you look forward to seeing an old friend that you haven't seen in a long time. I mean, right. it, was, it was really cool, man. Uh, I, I will say this, Jay, I'm, I'm really, really happy that I have a couple weeks off as far as signings go because I'm just so mentally <laughs> drained. From uh, oh, the wrestling it. collector store opening, from the wrestling collector store opening a couple weeks ago, and uh, that I had the signing with Cowboy Bob Orton and Craig DeGeorge right in the middle of me opening the store, and didn't even get an opportunity to send that stuff out yet because Virtual Mania was that Sunday, yeah. And I mean, I'm just left, afterwards. I'm just left like it's, it's like a snowstorm. I'm just left with like three feet of snow. Uh, I, I I was able to get out. Uh, 95% of the Cowboy Bob Orton and Craig DeGeorge signings and also started sending out uh, some stuff for Virtual Mania yesterday. But it's going to take at least a couple weeks to get all this stuff out because there's just so many orders. So I'm, I'm happy that I have a couple Mondays off. Uh, our next one is going to be on uh, Monday, April the 19th, and it's going to be a really interesting one. It's going to be an extreme virtual signing. And we're going to have Shane Douglas, Jerry Lynn, Two Cold Scorpio, Mikey Whipwreck, and Simon Diamond for an extreme virtual signing Monday, April 19th. And you can get your photos now. They're up at 80swrestlingcon.com. That is right. And then I'm assuming this weekend's Easter Sunday, I'm assuming you're closing the Wrestling Collector Sunday and then you're closed Monday, so hopefully you get two days here to kind of recharge the battery before it all starts up again, man. Yeah, brother. And uh, hopefully uh, I can just get this stuff out in the next couple of weeks. Because if you, if you were at my store right now, there's like, a, no joke, like a sea of orders uh, from uh, from this Sunday. Because, you know, you have people all buying for Aku, buying for Skinner, buying for Orient Express, buying for Jake, plus all the items that were sent in. Uh, there are so many Jake items sent in. Just, there's like a, a just like a huge pile of, of stuff that needs to get sent out. So it feels good just to even take a break right now to record this uh, episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. Well, I hate to tell you, man, our show's winding down. No re- rest for the wicked. You're going to have to jump in that car, drive to the collector, and start packaging some orders. <laughs> yes, I am. And uh, like I like I said, uh, at the beginning of Virtual Mania Day, I said there's no way that I would do another one of these again. Uh, but uh, as Ted taught all of us, everybody's got a price. <laughs> That's right. Everybody's got a price for Tommy Fierro and Age <laughs> Wrestling. Oh, yeah, man. Hey, I want to wish you and your family uh, a very happy Easter. And I hope you guys have a great weekend. And uh, I hope everyone out there enjoyed today's podcast. And we're going to try our best to get another guest on for next Sunday. That would be amazing, man. Next Thursday. Next Thursday. That would be amazing. Thank you for the happy Easter wishes. Same to you and your family. Enjoy the weekend. Anything else you want to plug or you you can take us home? 
<laughs> I think I'm just gonna take. I'm so mentally drained, bro. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna take us home. Um, yeah, thank you again for everyone that, that that listens to the podcast. Thank you to everyone that took part in Virtual Mania. Thank you everyone that comes to the Wrestling Collector Store located in Stockholm, New Jersey. And uh, thank you everyone for uh, make. I forgot to mention this, Jay. We were at one day next last week. We were the number six. It was only for one day, but the number six most listened to a wrestling podcast in America. So that's amazing that we were up that high. I'm hoping that we can break the top five this week with Ted. Well, if anyone can do it, it's the million dollar man for sure. Oh yeah. And until next week, I hope everyone has a great Easter and we'll uh, catch you right here next week on 80s wrestling, the podcast. is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.